0: So then we were able to come home and say, okay, this is what mom's going to do. You know, after we told them, we're all going to have to come together here. They started doing their own laundry. They started helping, you know, things like that. But I told them, listen, you guys, I'm going to fight with every bone in my body. And I walked through this balance between letting them see it was hard because it was but on the other hand, letting them see strength. And I didn't want to pretend it was okay every day because when they go through something hard, I don't want them to think, oh, well, my mom handled cancer perfectly. What's wrong with me? Why is this so hard for me? It wasn't hard for my mom. Well, they needed to see both sides, in my opinion. So they did see me cry and they did see that it was hard, but they also saw me get up every day and they also saw me, you know, do the stuff. What do you want me to do? I will do it. And you know what, though? I decided it was a gift, and it gave me a gift of empathy that I did not have before. And I appreciate that. But I remember always thinking, like, when am I going to be normal again? Like, I can't do, I felt like I was underwater trying to get to the top. And I finally realized my normal is different now. Maybe I don't have to be back to what I was before of like what we're facing right now.
1: That's Survivor Gen X vs. Millennials cast member Sunday BurkQuest. and I'm Brian Felchuk. This is Do A Day. You'll hear from the most inspiring people who have been through hard times, overcome them, and have turned around to help others with what they've learned. I'm your host, Brian Felchuk. I know we can all overcome and achieve because I've lived it myself. I've written about it in my book, Do A Day, and that's why I'm bringing you this show. Remember, today's a new day. Go out and do it. Hey day doers, welcome to another episode of Do A Day. I have a really cool guest on today. Not that my guests aren't always cool, but uh, today I have on Sunday Burquest. Sunday, for those of you who are Survivor fans, I'm guessing you know her name because it's not like typical everyday kind of name. She was on the season Survivor Millennials versus Gen X, uh, which was a really cool battle of the generations. I'm a Gen Xer. Barely, but I'm a Gen Xer, Um, and I've had lots of millennials work for me, and I've coached a bunch of millennials, and so it was a really interesting social experiment from my end. But you get to know these people, or at least you think you do, and um, shout out to my friend Tyler Tolbert, who had interviewed Sunday on his podcast and uh, made the connection for us, and I just happened to, uh, to be watching her season at the same time really cool to connect with her. And what you don't realize, you know, some of the people share a little bit about their story or their lives back home. This woman has been through some pretty amazing things. And while she didn't win the show, she's certainly a survivor and she believes we all are. I'm really excited to get into this. Sunday is a speaker. Um, She's been a youth pastor and works with younger folks to help them you know, face what they're facing and figure things out. Just an amazing, inspiring person. And this theme comes out over and over again, starting with her childhood of grit. So let's dig into this episode with Sunday Burkwest. Sunday Burkwest, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. I was telling you, I just finished rewatching or digging into your season, thanks to the magic of streaming video and everyone being stuck at home right now. So it's super good timing to talk to you but uh thank you for joining me here today
0: well thanks for having me i'm excited to be here
1: and i i should say for all the survivor Superfans, this is not a survivor podcast it's not going to be what we primarily talk about we will touch on it but um i'm so intrigued by your own story that i think a lot of people who maybe saw you on the show don't necessarily know they see the little youth pastor tag when when your name would pop up but there's so much more behind that and um thanks to a uh, mutual friend tyler tolbert for making the connection here. Um, But I'd love to Mm -hmm. just kind of kick off Like, tell me a little bit about who you are today and what you do, and then we'll, we'll dig through all the backstory that empowers that.
0: I'm a motivational, inspirational speaker. I really like to reach out to women, but I also do, you know, corporate and schools and that, but basically my whole message is that everyone is born with and has grit has strength on the inside. And so many of us don't realize that until it's actually tested. And I think that what brings us together as humans is the idea that we're really all survivors in our own right. Like there's not a single person that hasn't been through something difficult, if not multiple things. And so I think that I like to say my story, not because it's special or more important, but because I hope to relate to somebody else And have them sitting there go, oh, I went through the same thing or, oh, my word, I know exactly what you're saying. I felt totally hopeless, too. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's perfect. I mean, I and I think you're right. A lot of us get into this comparison game where it's like, well, I haven't really been through anything or like, yeah, they look what they did. But that's nothing compared to, you know, what this person did. It's not a comparison. It's our own life. Mm -hmm. And we all have something that that leads to where we're at right now.
0: Definitely. And everything affects every person differently. Yeah. And, you know, when I give presentations, I always say to people, you are a survivor. And they kind of look at me and I always say, do you know how I know that? And they still look at me puzzled. And I say, because you're breathing and you're sitting here. Yeah. You're a survivor.
1: (laughs) We do need to remind ourselves, like in those moments where like, how could I ever get through this? Like, have you ever felt that once, uh, one other time in your life? Like the fact that you're here right now means you've survived things that you thought you couldn't.
0: Yeah, I, I've multiple times, but yeah. I think if you don't take time to think of that, it's easy to slough it off. Oh, she's talking to people that have been through really hard things, right. not me. Right. But, you know, when, when you're looking at your own story, sometimes you don't realize until there's many things I've gone through that I don't realize until after eff- afterwards yeah. how hard it was because the grit and the strength carried me through. And later, when all the stuff is done and you sit by yourself, you're like, I cannot believe I got through that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's incredibly true. All right. So we have to, we have to hear about your story. We have to hear about the source of, of the grit and the determination and the survivorness, survivorhood. I don't know what the right word is to describe it. Um, but yeah, so fill us in on, on what informs all of this.
0: Well, I will say it started with my mom who is a lady full of grit. And when I was younger, my dad was an alcoholic and that was difficult. And um, when I was about 11 and I had two younger brothers, my mom uh, made the decision to give my dad an ultimatum and tell him he either needed to quit drinking or leave. And on the surface, that may seem like well, a logical thing to do or, but she was, it was very scary for her. She didn't have a job. She barely had her driver's license. She grew up in an alcoholic home. So she had no idea how she was going to take care of three kids. So just the fact that she took that step was a whole lot of grit.
2: Yeah.
0: And thankfully my dad chose us. Wow. He, he quit drinking. He chose his family. And, you know, we were a family. My mom was a woman of faith. And then um, after my dad quit drinking, he started going to church with us. And that was a big part of our lives.
1: And he hadn't before that?
0: But, uh, no, okay. no. Nope. He had never gone to church with us. We had asked him, you know, kids, come on, dad, you know. But at that same time, he was a great dad. He spent all kinds of time with us. We went camping every weekend, you know. But, um, that shift happened, you know, because my mom was finally like, I'm not going to let my kids live the life that I lived. Yeah. And it was scary for her. Yeah. Um, I would say that's my first real memory of seeing the strength that she had. Yeah, And, and as I grew up, there's just, you know, I don't think that my story is any more difficult than the next person, but there were so many things that happened over the last, 20 years that sometimes I think, how did I get out of bed every day? Um, When I was 30, my dad died of cancer. He was only 49. Wow. And so young. And that was really difficult. Of course, I had three small children at the time and was pregnant with my fourth. And just a few years later, my father-in-law died of cancer. And now I've got no grandpas. Yeah. For the kids and, and it was hard. Um, in that same time frame, my brother and sister-in-law lost a baby full oh. term. And that was difficult. And then as I'm moving forward, over a period of about 15 years, I had another brother with a heroin addiction. And that takes a huge toll on family. With my dad out of the picture, I kind of became the my mom's right hand, um, the person that was the protector of her.
1: I was going to ask about your mom because she lost her husband then at a very young age still. Yes. Uh, yes. Certainly not an age when people are thinking, you know, I'm going to, this is going to happen to me. And she nearly lost him much younger, but mm-hmm. the two of them fought to, to keep things together and to turn the corner. Were, were things okay between those two points? Like I know he, he became uh, more faith-based and
0: but, mm-hmm. it it was difficult. Yeah. I mean, a person that quits drinking that, that maybe doesn't take other um, steps towards the healing process of yeah. that disease. It doesn't just go away. No. The drinking part went away, but everything that comes with it necessarily did not. Yeah. So I grew up in a kind of chaotic home. There's five of us kids. My brothers were horrible. I was. An angel, not really, but not as bad as they were. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I always joke with my husband that I was raised in Malcolm in the Middle, and he was raised at Leave it to Beaver.
2: Okay, so, yeah, markedly um, different.
0: Yes, crazy, but we love each other. Yeah. Um, so that was difficult. When my dad died, my brother that became a heroin addict was only 17 and senior in high school, and my sister was only 12. So there was also a burden to feel that I had to help my mom with my siblings. Um, I, I, I shouldn't say had to; I wanted to, but yeah. it is—it's no, it, it's a, it's a feeling. You know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a emo- you are emotionally inve- invested yes. totally, yeah. of course, into your siblings. And um, so then, as we move forward in, uh, let's see, 2010 my husband almost died twice um in the same he had year emer- within two weeks wow. <laughs> um he had emergency open heart surgery he had a clot in a hole in his heart he didn't even know there was a hole in his heart and then was something all the doctors and surgeons had never seen before and basically by the time he's in the hospital and they're doing tests the surgeon says to me well I can do surgery and he can die on the table or I can not do surgery and he could sneeze and have a massive stroke and die and stared at me. Yeah. And I said, and the decision is
1: all on you because of the state. Yeah.
0: Are you asking me to decide? And he's like, well, we don't operate on people unless they want us to. And my husband's all drugged out, you know? Yeah. Obviously I had no choice.
1: Sunday, was he that flippant about it? Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's, that that's yes, in part was. of my story is the same thing is it, it yes. it's mind boggling sometimes. And I don't know if they're desensitized or annoyed or what. Um, yeah.
0: He had a wonderful nurse though, that stood right behind me, rubbing my back, re-saying everything he said in my ear.
2: And what human. he
0: really means. Yes. Yeah. What he really means. Cause I've never seen this before. I don't know what I'm going to do. She's like, no, no, no. He's done lots of open heart surgeries, you know? <laughs> So thank yeah. goodness for this sweet nurse. Um, shout out to nurses. They are amazing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but anyways, he did get through that surgery like 10 hours. And wow. two weeks later, he was having a problem at home. And he's a typical guy. I'm like, I think we need to go to the emergency room. No, I have an appointment tomorrow. By well, the time I get him there, he was bleeding internally. He had two and a half liters of blood built up around his heart. Wow. And we got to the hospital. Uh, The surgeon was very upset with the care he had been given, of course. And the other doctor was like, you should have had a massive heart attack and died. I cannot believe you're back here alive. Yeah. And uh, I remember having his follow-up visit with his surgeon and doctor. And they kept telling me how lucky he was. And I said, he's not lucky. In my belief, God's mercy kept him alive. Yeah. And I said to them, You told me he should have died. And yeah. they said, Yes. And I said, So you need to write the word miracle on that piece of paper. Well, and I said, No, you told me he should have died twice. And he didn't. Yeah. They're like, Okay. I think this would pacify me. I was like, I want the word miracle on that chart.
1: Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it so, sounds like the odds are stacked against him. They're not necessarily, um, they don't sound very confident or engaged in it. And uh-uh. so, it, I mean, those are the kind of moments where if you don't have faith that you certainly have some evidence in front of you that something else is going on I'm just saying you have four kids at home at that point
0: yes yes and you know yeah yeah, well yeah they were uh, teenagers so you know 12 14 16 18
1: 12 year old still needs like oh definitely still needs some some help and
0: yeah and they're old enough to understand that this yes. is a scary, you yeah. know, we were supposed to be at parent night at my son's basketball game and I'm trying to be, you know, we're going to the hospital after yeah. and it's like, where's dad? Well, he's in the hospital. But it's okay. You know, cause at first they thought, Oh, they're just going to give him some heparin and the class will go away and he'll come home. And then within 20 minutes, he's handing me his wedding ring and going behind the double doors for surgery. Oh. So Did what's you- traumatic.
1: Yeah. Did, did your father's young passing impact your family's view on these situations? Because, you know, I've I've talked to a lot of people who, you know, maybe lost a parent while they were in their teens. And anyone who has that same condition or situation, it's like the instant thought in their mind is this is the end. Um, so I'm wondering if, if you felt that sort of framing because you guys had faced the loss of a father mm-hmm. at a very young age, relatively speaking.
0: Yeah, both fathers. Yeah,
1: Um, yeah, true. Right. His father too.
0: Yeah. I really didn't. And I think because they both had cancer Mm -hmm. and there was a little bit of a journey there where this was like a total fluke emergency all of a sudden. So it didn't feel, it didn't feel totally the same. And to be honest, I was scared out of my brain box, but I really just felt like he was going to make it. Yeah. even though it was so scary and touch and go and you're watching the the thing in the operating room that like he's on the pump now he's off the pump meaning his heart and um i had a lot of support i i just felt like it was going to be a hard road with recovery but in my heart i i just i felt like he was going to make it through yeah. um, but with older kids that's scary and they understand the gravity of what's happening yeah um I made a big mistake, as all parents do, and that my oldest, I felt like if he saw my husband breathing after surgery, it would help him know he's alive and he's okay, Yeah. but he was full of tubes and all this stuff, so I bring him up to the hospital, I think he was actually 17, to see him, see, see, look, he's breathing, he's okay, traumatized him, Uh, totally.
1: Yeah, that, that vision.
0: Yes, and here in my mind, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm not hiding anything from you. Because he kept saying, what are you telling me? Yeah. And I just wanted him to see, look, he's breathing. He's hard. It's okay, but, you know, but it was.
1: It's too much. But what
0: do you do? You do yeah. what you can, you know. Um, that's what happened.
1: Have you guys talked about that?
0: We have. It's been interesting to see. All of my kids had to do, like, big senior papers, you know, for school. Yeah. And all of them used my husband and I, my situation, which we'll get to in a minute, as the basis of their papers and how they processed and got through each situation. And it was so interesting to hear the different how they each coped. Mm. Because I realized that I didn't really ask them. I mean, I thought I was talking to them. But, you know, as the mom, you're like trying to take care of the husband. Keep your kids like not scared. Run the yep. household. You know, and you're dealing with your own stuff. So yeah. could I have talked to him more? Probably. But I mean, nobody gave me training on how to deal with it when your husband almost dies and has emergency open heart surgery.
1: <laughs> yeah. Or, I mean, God, if the doctor didn't know what to do, then. Yeah. Expecting yeah. you to deal with all that. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. That is, yeah. I I'm, I guess what I'm interested in is how over time, because it's been a decade now. Uh, mm-hmm how they process that, whether it's still, if you see it rearing its head and how they interact with their dad or how they feel about him or risks around him.
0: I think that it's a bad memory. I think that for us, um, because of our household, I think that they saw him survive. And as we'll get to in a moment, they saw me survive. And that brought a reality to them of faith that we have in our home where, you know, your hope for every kid is that they, on their own, find their own path. And so that, I think, helped in that sense. But I do think when when it gets brought up, I'll see them well up with tears in their eyes. Or um, I don't know if they're more careful about him because it was such a fluke thing but I think they're just aware mm. uh, that they're blessed at both parents in their life. Yeah. And not everybody does.
1: Yeah. Very true. It could
0: have went, you know, a very different way.
1: Yeah. Well, let's talk about your story in that, because we've alluded to it twice and this wasn't the last thing that your kids had to face or do. So what, Mm-mm. what happened on your end?
0: So a little less than a year after this happened with my husband, uh, we were watching TV on an exciting Friday night date, which involved Menards and Dateline. And uh, I, <laughs> yeah, I was itching my bra strap and I found a lump, it felt like a marble. And I kept feeling it and I kept thinking, no, I'm 40. Am I, you know, I'm just getting overly, whatever, worried. Yeah. And I kept trying to dismiss it. That was a Friday night. So Monday morning, I saw my doctor and she said, yeah, let's send you to the specialist tomorrow morning. So Tuesday, I go to a breast care specialist and they decide to do a biopsy, an ultrasound biopsy on the spot. Which is concerning, but I'm like, okay. Then Wednesday morning. So I I feel it Friday night. By Wednesday morning, I'm receiving a call in the choleridesis clinic. So take a deep breath. And I answer and the sweetest woman on the phone and she says, first thing she says is, Are you driving right now? Like, not a good sign. No. Um, it's like, no, I, I'm not. And I was actually painting with my sisters, and um she said, you know, we got your test results back, and I'm so sorry to tell you you have invasive ductal carcinoma. And I said, Okay. <laughs> she said, no, do you understand? I'm telling you, you have breast cancer. And I was like, yep. She's like, would you like to write it down? I could spell it for you. And I'm like, Nope, I got it. You know? And I'm sure she thought I was in denial, which to a degree I probably was. Yeah. But I was like, okay. You know, she's like, well, we'll have someone be in contact with you about an appointment. I was like, okay. I mean, I didn't know what, you know, who knows how to react. And I hung up and I just sat in my car and thought, I cannot tell my kids this. Yeah. They just, I felt like got through dealing with their dad. And now I have to sit them down. And not only that, the two people in their life that they knew that had cancer both died. Yeah. Their experience was. People I love have cancer, and they die. And now I've got to sit them down, 12, 14, 16, 18, and say, I've got breast cancer? Yeah. It was really one of the hardest parts of the entire thing, honestly. My oldest, he just put his head in his hands, and he just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. And um, I tried my best to reassure them. I was, you know, guys, listen. More money goes into breast cancer research than a lot of things. There's been so many advances. Uh, There's awesome doctors. I'm going to do every single thing that they suggest. And I did. Yeah. Because I don't want to put them through that again. You know, but that, that was tough.
1: And your family's just getting through the whole situation with your husband.
0: Right. So my dad, so, now my mom.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a one, two punch for them.
0: Mm-hmm. It's
1: mm-hmm. no wonder It's the first place your mind went to is um, not about, am I going to make it through? How am I going to do this? I can't deal with this now or whatever is how do I tell my kids? What's the yeah. impact on them?
0: Yep. Yep. And yeah. I know millions of women get cancer that have kids. I understand that. Yeah. But for me in my world, it's like, I cannot have cancer. I have kids. Yeah, kids that have already been through yeah. two grandpas dying of cancer and their dad almost dying.
1: Yeah, cancer doesn't care about those things.
0: It, it does come, not. It
1: comes when it wants to come. Hmm. So you probably scared the the woman on the phone that like she doesn't get it. She's not going to take this seriously. Um. So w- what what happened next after <laughs> uh, after you know talking to your kids?
0: Well, then we, we, we actually went to the surgeon first because we wanted to give the kids information. We wanted to be able to say, this is what we're going to do about it. And instead of saying, well, we don't know. So we met with um, my cancer surgeon who was about as great as Jeff's surgeon. (laughs) And,
1: uh, that's not what you want.
0: No. And I felt like. I was just, you know, number 82 for the day. Right. Yeah. I, I tried to ask questions. It's like, well, you just do this. Okay. Well, you know, it was just very rote and, yeah. and cold. Yeah. Um, but we set up a plan. I was going to have surgery and after surgery chemotherapy and then after chemo, the decision would be made whether I was going to do radiation or not. And um, so then we were able to come home and say, okay, This is what mom's going to do, you know, after we told them, we're all going to have to come together here. They started doing their own laundry. They started helping, you know, things like that. But I told them, listen, you guys, I'm gonna fight with every bone in my body. And I walked to this balance between letting them see it was hard because it was, but on the other hand, letting them see strength. And I didn't want to pretend it was okay every day because when they go through something hard, I don't want them to think, "Oh, well, my mom handled cancer perfectly. What's wrong with me? Why is this so hard for me? It wasn't hard for my mom." Well, they needed to see both sides, in my opinion. Um, so they did see me cry, and they did see that it was hard. But they also saw me get up every day, and they also saw me, you know, do the stuff. Yeah. What do you want me to do? I will do it. Yeah. And um. So I started chemo. I had eight rounds. My first round, I completely lost it. I started sobbing uncontrollably. I didn't understand what was happening. Mm. My doctor finally came in and he said, this is totally normal. You're just having a panic attack. And I looked right at him and I was like, I don't have those.
2: Mm.
0: And he kind of was like, well, now you do. Yeah. I didn't know that can that anxiety accompanied cancer. I didn't know that.
1: Yeah.
0: And it was something I dealt with for a number of years. Um,
1: yeah. You don't, no one really talks about it, but it, it, like, as you said, it's like, that seems really obvious. Why wouldn't it? I mean, this is, yes. this is one of those moments where the flood of what ifs and how much more am I going to have to endure and what's it going to be like? And all of that just hits you smack in the face. Makes yeah. Is it going to come back? Yeah.
0: Yeah and I know what I'd never heard a single person talk about it up to that point.
1: Yeah. Well, we're talking about it now.
0: Yeah. And and there's nothing wrong
1: with you for feeling those things.
0: No. And you know what though? I decided it was a gift and it gave me a gift of empathy that Mm. I did not have before. And I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, but I remember always thinking like, when am I going to be normal again? Mm. Like I can't do, I felt like I was underwater trying to get to the top. And I finally realized my normal is different now. Maybe I don't have to be back to what I was before. Kind of like what we're facing right
1: yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when people talk about getting back to normal and I hope we don't. I hope we yeah. find a different, Yeah. So did, did you yep. see it in that hopeful way or was it more of a like coming to peace with things are going to be different and I need to be okay with that? Or did you see it as they'll be different, but maybe that's not such a bad thing?
0: I, I think I, I tried to see it as maybe it's just not a bad thing. I, I by nature, I'm the type of person that tries to find the positive in every negative. And I know it. Someone could say, well, how could you possibly find something positive in breast cancer? Yeah. I, I did. <laughs> One I just mentioned was yeah. a gift of empathy and compassion that I didn't have before. Um, there were just little things along the way that are easily missed unless you have said to yourself, hey, let's look for something positive. And um, there definitely were those things sprinkled in with the hardship.
1: Yeah. I mean, even, uh, and I think this is one that, that probably resonates for a lot of people right now when you talk about, you know, your kids are are pitching in now, if the family has to come together and strengthen, that's mm-hmm. exactly what families are having to do now. I, yeah. There's a, a TV ad that keeps repeating for um something like, I forget, something about being a better husband. So it's like, you know, they show a guy like on the couch with his cell phone versus doing the dishes and helping the kid with the schoolwork and cleaning Mm -hmm. the house and whatever. And it's like, do your part. Um, I like, I don't, I don't know that the gender role has to matter or not matter, but it's like right now is a time where we all do need to come together. And we're in these little Mm -hmm. small groups that we can interact with everyone else. So we better be supportive of each other. And if this is what it takes for us to learn to do that, fantastic. Cause there's benefit in that.
0: I I totally agree. I I think that at least for us, we were guilty of busyness Mm -hmm. at the expense of family. Uh, There's just so much you can be doing that you're never even, you think you're together all the time, but you're not. No. So yeah, I I agree totally with what you're saying.
1: Together and co-located are not the same thing.
0: No, no, they're (laughs) not at
2: all.
1: Yeah. I think that's the (laughs) lesson a lot of us need to take yep um okay so when you you go through the chemo what mm-hmm. happens with the rest of the pro- and, and i should ask like how how extensive was the cancer was it fairly localized or had it spread throughout because when they use the word invasive that's not a yeah. good
0: word no it, it's a scary word um they found they did mris they did find a second tumor and then when I had my surgery, and I believe this is typical, maybe not anymore, but that during the surgery is when they do a biopsy to see if it's in your lymph nodes. Mm-hmm. And they did find it in my lymph nodes, and they removed—I don't know how many—a bunch. I'll just yeah. say um, it was interesting because at the end of my surgery, which was like ten hours, because it was a, I had a double mastectomy, the lymph node dissection, and first phase of reconstruction. Yeah. And um, my surgeons came out to talk to my husband and they were like, you know, we found it in the lymph nodes, but we took a bunch out 28 28th or something. And my husband says to everyone that's there, my family and friends, let's not tell her tonight. Let's let her recover. I will tell her tomorrow. Yeah. Well, I'm finally to my room still, you know, way out of it. And my yeah. best friend comes to say goodbye. So she holds my hand and she says, I'm going to go. And she tells me because I'm on drugs. I pop my eyes open and look at her and I look right at her and I go, they found it in my lymph nodes, didn't they? And she can't lie for anything. She's yeah. like, mm, I love you, you know? Yeah. And you know, I was like, you know what? It's all right. It's all going to be fine. Because in my mind, cancer, add a little lymph nodes, all the same package, right? And... Um, I love your attitude. It was just like, I'm already dealing with the cancer. It's a little more cancer, yeah. right? But... I think it was like, probably they changed the word from stage to grade. Okay. So like a three, I believe, uh, was probably the grade Yeah. and that's how I had to do all the chemo. And then we did decide to do radiation. Um, it was kind of optional in a way, but to me, if it brought down another 8% chance of coming back, I'm yeah. doing it.
1: Yeah, I get that. Yeah.
0: So how yeah, long so was about like the... seven surgeries? Wow. In all, uh, eight rounds of chemo and then the 20 days of radiation.
1: Wow. And the, with the chemo, like everything sort of stretches out because they really have to keep on top of all your blood levels and um, your immune situation and, and all that. Yes. So it's not like yes. you had the surgeries every few days and this was like a two-week process This much as stretched on beyond a year, I would imagine, or close? Um,
0: i together over a year. Yeah. Yeah. Because the chemo was like every two weeks and then you'd start to feel better and then you had to go back again. Right. And I had to go for like the second day I had to go for, um, I don't know, some kind of medication and, and, um, fluid. So it was like a two day process. And, um, so
1: did you end up losing your hair?
0: Do you know what? I did a cold cap I don't know if you've heard of a cold cap, but it's a therapy where they use a, basically a dry ice cap that goes on your head and it freezes your hair follicles so that you don't lose your hair. And then you have to switch it every like 26 minutes because it starts to thaw. Yeah, Um, It's a really great invention. Insurance doesn't cover it. We were, um, we had some friends that offered to pay for it for us and it wasn't cheap. But it has to be at a hospital where they have a special freezer that houses the cats. Yeah. It's a very involved process, and it was very painful.
2: Wow.
0: The reason I did it is because, again, my kids saw both of their grandfathers lose their hair yeah. and die. Yeah. And I didn't want them to come home after school every day and see me losing hair and immediately be triggered, oh, my grandpa lost his hair, and he died. Yeah. Would I do it again? No. Hmm. I wouldn't and I couldn't quit half through because someone paid for it and if yeah. I had quitted in mid-process I would have wasted so I lost like 25 percent of my hair and you know you can't wash your hair curl your hair dry your hair ponytail pop nothing for like a year to wow. protect it <clears throat> it was not I wouldn't do it again but it's a great it's a great thing yeah. for people that you know need it
1: well and I think your your reason for it It has nothing to do with vanity, which might be the first thing people, oh, you know, she just wanted to keep her hair. That's ridiculous. No, it's the signaling to your children and the image that you would or wouldn't be giving them. I completely understand that. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And when you say you wouldn't do it again, what drives that? Is it because you think they're strong enough and they wouldn't need that and you could talk to them differently? Or was it just that hard on you that that was more of a cost than you anticipated?
0: It, it, the, the latter. Yeah. It was a lot more painful. I had to have at least two people with me at all times to switch the caps. I had to do the caps two hours before the treatment and two hours after. So like on them, my last everything. four treatments, that was like a ten-hour day. Yeah. Um, I just it, it would hurt. Yeah. In the end, it it wasn't worth it. Now my kids are older, so I think it'd be easier for them. But I will say. A year after I got through my cancer, if you can believe it, my mom got diagnosed with myoplastic disorder and she had to have a bone marrow transplant. Wow. And we had to shave her hair. So it wasn't that I was couldn't have done that. Yeah. It really was the kids. And yeah. it was horrible having to do it with my mom. Yeah. It's it's not a fun thing.
1: Your family um, has been through a lot. I mean, you said that early on. Not I'm not getting into the comparison thing that we said it's not about but it, I know. It is a lot. It is a lot. Absolutely. Um, And I'm just thinking about going back to your first point on your mom and the grit that she has as a human being, how much that clearly serves you throughout everything you faced.
0: Yes. A hundred percent. And there's more. (laughs) (laughs) And my mom is like, my mom has been this rock, you know, she's got this kid with a heroin addiction. Um, She's got a son that lost a child She's got kids who lost their father. Um, My sister, uh, like seven years ago, her daughter was born with bladder extrophy, which meant her bladder was on the outside of her body. And they both could have died. Um, They had to break her hips the first day she was born and reconstruct everything. And it was horrible. But my mom was there, you know, like she had to have special things on her legs and all this stuff for like the first nine months. She's had subsequent surgeries. She's been hospitalized for urinary tract infections, I'm you sure, know, because yeah. that's all, all in there. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then just two years ago, my sister had another child that was born at 21 weeks wow. gestation. And he survived. And he is, I will say, a miracle. Um, but my mom was at the hospital almost every single day. He was six months. Uh, my sister had smaller children also at home. Yeah. So it was the valley kids. My mom being at the hospital or Kelsey being at the hospital, but my mom was just there, there, yeah. there, as we all were for each other.
1: Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, your your mom needs to be on the show. Yeah, she. <laughs> um, <geez. laughs>
0: wow, she's amazing.
1: Um. So back back to you. Um. Roughly a year, you get through this. Is mm-hmm. that it for for your immediate family? Yes. Okay, <laughs> that's it. But Survivor comes after all this. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. What What on earth were you thinking, putting your family through another? And, and I have to say, watching the show, I unless I missed it, I don't think you because there were some episodes where I was like cooking in the background, so I wasn't a hundred percent on it. But I don't think you really went into this. Um, what, what, how did you, how did you, I don't even know how you make the decision to go on it after, you know, what your family been through and what on earth did they say?
0: Well, here's the thing we've been watching together as a family since, since it started since season. I think we picked it up mid season, first season, cause nobody knew what the heck it was at that yeah. point. Um, but we all liked it. And a number of years ago, I have three boys and a girl number of years ago, I just flippantly said, you know what? I'm going to be on Monday. And my boys just cracked up. Oh, right, mom. You could last one day. You know, they just thought it was hilarious. Well, my oldest and I had talked about um, going on the show because they were doing blood versus water. Yeah. So when I was through the cancer, he actually is the one that came to me. He's like, mom, you got your cancer. You can do this. Let's Let's send in an audition video and and go for the dream. And I was turning 45. I felt like if I'm ever going to do it, what's it going to hurt? Yeah. So we sent in an audition video together for blood versus water. And I got a call back. It it didn't really pan out. But at that point, I'm like, I'm not giving up. So I applied again the next year. And that's when I got um, pushed through.
1: Now, what about your son?
0: Mm -hmm. He's He's still trying. All right. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm really hoping for him that he gets it probably even more so than I wanted it. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, it's interesting. Your season then had a couple of blood versus water folks who ended up making it because that's Adam. That was his original application with his mom. Um, yes. Uh, that's And Brett
0: applied also for blood versus water. Oh,
1: I didn't know that. With yeah, his brother?
0: So it- uh Where's yeah, I was or... like, well, they're having a hard time finding the right person to go okay. on with him. Yeah. His dad wasn't quite ready and um but it was interesting that all of us had applied for that season.
1: Yeah. That is really interesting. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. Brett's a whole other person that I like I found it to be a really interesting season. Um, aside from the whole millennial versus Gen X as a Gen Xer who has had lots of millennials work for him, like the season spoke to me. Um, quite a bit me too um but i i did find your season to be one in particular where i was connecting with the players really quickly sometimes it takes several episodes
2: Mm -hmm. yeah um
1: ken was another one that's like you know you see him and you're like oh okay he's a model he's but he is totally different i think than than the ken doll image and that you know that was one of the things talked about um but so i said this to you before we started recording um watching we get pieces of you that are put together Mm -hmm. into a character and while they all happened and you did all those things the perception of everyone is the show version perception and people are more well-rounded and balanced and have different nuances to them so i'm sure there's so much more than any of us picked up and what Mm -hmm. i said you know for you is hey you made it really far um Mm-hmm. and and yeah i didn't necessarily see that in the beginning you know you all pick out like oh that person's gonna go far this oh i know wasn't...
0: nobody did don't no. feel bad brian <laughs> but
1: sometimes i mean same thing for hannah and she made it all the way to the end um mm-hmm. to spoil the whole show for everybody but uh yeah i should say like spoiler alerts on this one yeah. yeah um but you were incredibly strong and very tough and not not mean tough but tough and and maybe it's that grit piece um so then to hear all the other sides of you and to understand your connection to faith, it's like, you know, saying this almost feels like, well, that's two different people, but it's mm-hmm. not. And and I, j- I kind of want to get into that, the ability to both be strong and tough and purposeful and driven and also be caring and have empathy. And, you know, we talked about ha- Hannah's panic attack moment, which, you know, you were foreshadowing with your own um, trial by fire with with panic mm-hmm. attacks and anxiety yourself. Yeah. So it's just a, it's such an interesting um I think commentary on how well rounded people can absolutely be and of course reality t v usually doesn't get to show that because we see a side of a person that is that character
0: no exactly it's two dimensional kind of or even yeah. one dimensional yeah, yeah. depending on your um character, so to speak, your slot that you fill in the season. Like I was definitely the mom, mm-hmm. but I wasn't the only mom out there, but I was the mom role. Yep. Right. And, um, I, I don't know. I feel like, well, I know my own self. So to me, I don't see these things as separate yeah. because I think that it takes a lot of strength to be caring and loving when you want to do anything, but be caring and loving. Yeah. Um, cause they're all your it,
1: adversaries at the same time.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, um, I mean, I'm a type A. I'm a competitive person, which is the people they're looking for on the show. Yeah. Um, and that but what drives me is maybe just what makes it different than the next person. I Faith drives me and grit drives me and the ability or the desire to want to win and be the best in everything that I do, I feel for me is a good representation of faith rather than a person that maybe it's just along for the ride or doesn't go above and beyond or is okay with losing all, you know, just uh, uh, to me, uh, that's, that's not the representation that, that, that I am. Yeah. And so, I, but I did see how I felt like I was portrayed. Well, I would have liked there to be more portrayal of me. Yeah. However, what what they did show, they're very purposeful, right? Because there's so many hours. They say maybe 500 hours of footage to a 42 minute episode.
1: Wow, because it's several so, days and multiple cameras yes, and storylines. Yes, yeah,
0: yes. So they what they put in that you as a viewer would see is very on purpose. Hmm. They don't put random statements on that don't feed either the storyline or who the character is that they want you to see. Yeah. So in my case, most of the things that you saw me saying, not all, but a lot of them had to do with, is so-and-so okay? Can I help you with that? We should do that, you know, just yeah. um, as a caring person, which yeah. is good, you know. Um, I'd rather have been a caring person with a million dollars. However, you know, my <laughs> husband awful. always says to me, it's better you came out where you did with a good reputation than win with a bad one. Yeah. And um that's true. You know, especially and there definitely because they have that,
1: been winners like that.
0: Yeah. And you know, I and that's okay. Yeah. But for what I do now as a speaker, it's better that that's what follows me. Yeah. Rather than some of the other things that are acceptable in the game, but weren't acceptable for me personally. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And you do when the cameras are gone and it's just you or you and your family, you do have to live with yourself and the decisions you make and you can justify it as like, Oh, well, I was trying to win a million bucks. So it's okay. Um, But you do see those, those ethical moral dilemmas that a lot of people get into in the show where it's like, I, you know, I gave them my word and I stand by that. And I can't, I mean, Ken in the finale, he got questioned about why he went back on his pact with David. Um, when he says, you know, he's all about that honesty and, and his word mm-hmm. is his word. And he said, because I had a, an alliance, you know, that was our second alliance. My second alliance, my first is my daughter. And, and he breaks down in tears and you can see like,
0: yeah. that
1: was hard, even though he's so committed to his yeah. daughter, it still hurt him that he broke his word to someone.
0: It totally did. And um but he was right. Yeah. You know, he was in a no win situation. Yeah. People were gonna attack him either decision he made. That's right in my opinion, he made the right decision. Yeah. Who takes David to the end? Only someone that wants to lose to him, you know. Yeah. Um but yeah. yeah David was, seemed to
1: understand that when it, he, when he, he did. got that it answer. Was hard, though. I'm sure.
0: Yeah.
1: He still but he just you know, he could taste that million and Yes. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. But David's great and I just, I, at the time when I was on the show, I was working full-time with young, with students, uh, millennials, college-age students. So that was at the forefront of my mind the entire game. And even in the casting process, they would ask me, well, what kind of example are you setting? Like, are you going to lie? Are you going to, you know? And I would say, you know what? Yeah, I am going to lie. And this is why. To me, this is like chess. Or sorry. When I play sorry with my kids and I land on them, done. You're gone. I landed on your spot because I'm playing a game. Am I going to lie unnecessarily and tack on some personal assaults with it? No. But if I need to say I'm voting for a different name, I'm going to because I owe it to my family who I left for six weeks to play this game. I can't value a relationship I just made over them. And basically, my bottom line was the example I want to set the students i work with is it's never too late to go for your dreams i'm 45 i'm all here in a swimming suit on national tv i mean come on <laughs> i'm not athletic or any of those things
1: i love that um, <laughs> you no know, and that's and that's super true i have to think the work that you were doing was really good training for what you're about to get into just understanding the mindset and putting oh. it, like it's not about millennial bashing or not. like Mm-mm um it's just understanding people who were raised differently different generation different mindset not good or bad just different and yes yeah, yeah ultimately like that's probably the strongest skill set to have in the game in life really is how do you understand other people whether it's for a million yes. bucks or or otherwise
0: yes the game is all about adapting and perceptions um you know, reading, it's the perception you think you're getting off is what's actually being received when we don't, they don't tell you the theme of the season. So I didn't find out until we landed on the sand with Jeff Probst.
1: Oh, wow. and, and did he you divided see any us, of the other people or know them or anything, or are you sort of all sequestered?
0: We're, we're sequestered together, if that makes sense. So I see yeah. them, but we weren't allowed to talk. I okay. never got to talk to anybody. You don't know who's going to be on your tribe. You know, nothing. True. Yeah. So the, the minute Jeff says, Millennials versus Gen X, you know, the Gen Xers are like, oh, Millennials, you know, kind of yeah. like that. And I'm like going along because I don't want to make any waves, but on the inside, I am like, yes, Millennials. Like I was so excited that's going to be because I like Millennials. Yeah. I actually usually have a harder time with Gen Xers who can't, um, set down their own Thing and be open minded to younger people who may be able to do something more effectively if they all work together.
1: <laughs> that was the first moment for your tribe after landing. Was Paul having this? Like once I saw it was all us, I knew we'd have it. And Ken's like, well, "Hang on a oh, second, let's make sure yes. we're not underestimating our opponents." I I think that's the biggest message is grouping people. Um, you know, it's like when when I hear the millennial bashing, it's like, oh, they're entitled. It's like, well, hang on a second, I don't have a problem with millennials. I don't like people who act entitled and take things for granted and make presumptions that you can do that at any age. I don't care when you're yes.
0: born. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Oh yeah. I, I do some presentations on navigating relationships between the, you know, Gen X and millennials. Cause I have great examples from the show for yeah. one, Yeah. but I almost always come down harder on the Gen X than I do the millennials
2: because,
0: yeah. you know, Millennials are used to working in groups. My kids worked in groups all through school. I didn't do that when I was in school. Yeah. So then you stick them in a situation where you expect a top down approach where they don't get to give input. Yeah. They don't work like that. Yeah. You're not going to get the best out of them.
1: Oh, you saw that in every challenge all the puzzles and everything. The the
0: very first challenge with the chickens. Yeah. You know, I don't know if you remember that, but. Each tribe got to pick either chickens or fishing gear. Yep. And both tribes had the same choices. So what does Gen X pick? Fishing gear, right? Because yep. fishing gear lasts the entire game to get more fish. Millennials pick chickens. And Jeff says, why are you picking chickens? And Taylor says, because chickens lay eggs. Yeah, yep. right? You think those chickens are laying eggs in this stressful environment? Yep. And then you eat a chicken and it's gone. Yeah. So it's like instant gratification.
1: Yeah. <laughs> was, well, the African season taught us that. The first African season. Uh um, yeah. where the chickens just wouldn't lay and wouldn't lay and Clarence wanted to kill them. He's like, I'll give them one more day. And then they made a nicer yeah. environment and treated them kindly. And then yes. finally one egg. Um, yeah.
0: For ten people. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Uh those chickens lasted a long time in the bush in Africa. That was really interesting. Yeah. Um, we
0: still had one chicken at the end of the game, and it tortured us every morning because no one could catch it. And every morning, it would no make noise and wake us yeah. up, and no one could catch it. It was like telling us it was mocking us every morning.
1: <laughs> That's hilarious.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, oh, so I I would love to go like two more hours just to hear more about Survivor, and I know, um, <laughs> but you you have you have a life to get back to. Um, Sunday. This is this is really. It's really been fantastic. It's been very empowering to hear, um, I think, what is a very powerful reminder for us that we all face things. Um, Mm -hmm. It's very easy for us to think it's too much, or if I just get through this, then I'll be okay. And it's Mm -hmm. like, well, that's actually not what life is. So you can't just be waiting for the hard thing to end. You do need to figure out who you are and how you navigate these things. And Mm -hmm you certainly have had more than enough experience and your mother has had more than enough experience in your kids and um mm-hmm. your siblings to reinforce that lesson a million times over um and i'm just i'm really thankful for you sharing that with us today it's been um mm-hmm. it's it's been amazing to hear um a bit unbelievable to even fathom some of what you must have experienced but to get to see the strength that you have today, and, and I've gotten to see that in some very tough situations, anyone who watches the show would, it's really, yeah. really inspiring. So thank you for all of that.
0: Thank you. And thank you for letting me share, because to me, my story is not my own. It is mine, but if it just helps even one person or a few people hang on a little bit longer, yeah. then I'm I'm so happy to get the chance to share it.
1: Oh, I'm 100% with you. Um, Sunday, where, where can people find out more about you? And you mentioned speaking and obviously as a fellow public speaker, we're not doing much of that these days, or at least not the in-person piece. Um, but when that yeah. stuff restarts and for virtual things as well, where can people learn more about you and connect with you to, to bring your message in?
0: They can go to my website, which is I I love that. Thank you. Uh, they can find me
2: on Facebook at
0: Sunday um twitter sunday survivor i'm on linkedin um yeah the virtual there's you know obviously i'd rather be out in person i've had so many things um pushed back but i you know virtual stuff we're we're available yeah (laughs) for sure
1: yeah Fantastic. All right. Well, I will link to all of that. And I imagine everyone who's listened to this doesn't need to write down. I am Cause they would understand that right away and be like, Oh, that's the perfect <laughs> URL. Um, <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Are you ready to help me close the show out? I'm ready. All right. Today is a new day.
0: I want to encourage you to look for the positive. You may be going through something hard now. And you may not, but you will be in the future. And what I want you to remind you is that in every situation, you can find something positive. So I want you to go out and do it.
1: That's awesome. Really well said. Um, Sunday, thank you so much.
0: Thank you, Brian. This was super fun chat talk to you.
1: Amazing, right? Grit, 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 grit. That word has got to resonate with you after hearing this story. My God, the things that Sunday... And her whole family, like her, you know, her parents, her siblings, but then her family, her kids, her husband, Jeff, everything that they've been through, wow. And yet you hear her, and you don't hear someone who's downtrodden. You don't hear someone who's beaten. You don't hear someone who's weak. You hear someone who's kind and supportive, yet you also hear someone who is very clearly strong and capable And she's proven that, like she said, you know, we're all survivors for the fact that we are here and breathing and her flame has been attempted to be snuffed out multiple times, either directly or indirectly through the people she cares about most all around her. And she's still burning. It to me is incredible. And it's such a great reminder for us that it's never too late to go for our dreams. I mean, look at this, like after, you know, losing her dad, all the stuff going on with her siblings and uh, her siblings' kids, and then her husband, and then herself. And then she and her son still went for it. And well, they didn't make it together, she made it. She got on the show. She went for that dream. And the fact that she's alive, I mean, you could say that that's a dream too. Um, such a fighter. I love it. I love what she is all about. Grit. Say that word over and over again in your head right now. I think this is something we can all take in. You know, she talks about that idea of new normal that was facing her as she was coming out of her cancer treatments. I know a lot of us are having those same kind of questions. And what does normal mean? And is it going back to an old normal? Is it a different normal? Do we actually want the old normal? You know, like she says, it's not that she wanted to go through cancer, but it did help her and her family realize things that are good that they could change from going through it. So, you know, what are you facing where that kind of change would make sense? I've put this out in past episodes. I launched it with episode 100. Now is a great time to do that digging. A lot of us have some more pockets of availability where we can do more self-work. You know, maybe we're not commuting right now. Unfortunately, you may be at home not working right now. Well, what you do at that time can be helpful. And I want to help you make the most of the time that you have. So I've made my course, the Do-A-Day Masterclass, available for just $47 for listeners of this show. That's $850 off. I've still got the same discount code that I mentioned in episode 100. But if you go to brianfalchuk.com, click on Courses at the top, add the Do-A-Day course to your cart, and when you go to checkout, you'll see a question towards the top that's like, hey, do you have a coupon? Click here. Well, click there and type in episode 100, all one word, lowercase e, the numbers 100, episode 100, and you will get that $897 course for just $47. It's got videos. It's got some questions, some exercises, some guidance for you to dig into to help you work through figuring out what is most important to you so you can define what normal should look like for your life. We all need it. All right. Do check out Sunday. Follow her. Iamgritgirl.com. Great, great title for a website. And I hope you check out the Do It A course. And, of course, don't miss another episode of this show, always inspiring people that we can all benefit from listening to. Subscribe today on whatever platform you listen to shows your podcasts whatever you prefer do it i'm so glad you're here with me today and i hope you will be back to go out and do it the next time thanks everyone